Mitch Kasprick, and welcome to WinnipegHockeyTalk.com podcast number 79. Today I'm going to be joined by my regular co-host, Daryl Manchalenko. Hey, Manny, how's it going? I'm fantastic. Christmas season's here, and uh, lots on the go. Well, Merry Christmas to you and to your family. And to you as well. Thanks very much. So, to our listeners, uh, we're a couple of days before Christmas, and we kind of wanted to do a little, you know, like a, a pre-Christmas uh just a checkup on the Jets, see where they're at, see what we think of that. So let's just start with uh, the Jets went through a real tough uh, nine games in 16-day stretch where they came out 7-2. Uh, and two. Um, I think if you would have told uh, Paul Maurice that uh, a couple of weeks back, he would have been uh, pretty happy with 7-2. and two. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and this team is, <laughs> you know, as Jet fans, we, we always want to see the best uh, version of the Jets, and and we all have opinions as to what is the best version of the Jets. But let's be, let's be honest. This team continues uh, to, I don't, I don't want to say surprise, but maybe, well, Let's just call it surprise because it's Christmas and everybody's in the gift-giving uh, mood and, you know, <laughs> there's gifts galore and so therefore surprises galore. So uh, the team continues to perform despite some of the components of the game that are not, um, you know, up to par. Um, they find a way to win. And... Yes, we've had some, you know, some help. Nashville's four, five, and one uh, run. Uh, Colorado is six, uh, sorry, three, six, and one, and we're eight and two. So, you know, great timing. We all of a sudden we find ourselves four points up with uh, a game in hand at the break, and we're in a great position uh, with a little buffer attached, but. This team continues to do things that, uh, you know, I, I do amaze me. Their ability to um, capitalize on the littlest of opportunities. I mean, look at last night's goal, uh, Shifley. Like, who would have thought when, when Wheeler got that puck at the blue line facing three Vancouver Canucks that the puck would end up in our net? Like it was in their net or our net? <laughs> in, sorry, in their net. Like I, I never would have thought that that play. There was nothing dangerous about how that play started. Yeah. And next thing you know, it's in in their net. We're up one nothing, and uh, Jet fans are, uh, you know, breathing a sigh of uh, relief. And uh, you know, here we are. You know, so could have it gone the other way? Absolutely. But that's what's so exciting about this team is that they find a way well it's funny you know i got into an interesting conversation with a couple of the guys on twitter over the weekend watching the games and that and and one of our one of the guys brought up a really good point and it was about um he, he was mentioning tyler myers because he seems to be like the whipping boy for the jets and uh <laughs> i i had tweeted out uh, that <laughs> josh turned the puck over in the first period, I goes, oh, there's Josh's monthly giveaway, you know, <laughs> once again, pumping Josh's tire just to piss off Scott Campbell. But, uh, and, and it's funny because, you know, I watch a lot of hockey and I keep on saying this. I'm not, because I know there's a lot of Jet fans that watch a lot of hockey, but there's a lot of Jet fans that just watch the Jets and they focus in on the negativity or the, the bad plays of certain players. This league has changed so much. And if you pick any Jet player outside of Morrissey, 
And if you pick any elite defenseman on any other team on a given night and just focus on him and watch how many times they give the puck away, it's it's a byproduct of today's game. The forechecking is so intense and the guys are on you so quick that even the, the best, the best of the best, are going to cough the puck up. That's just the way the game is. It's a pressure game, and that's the way the game has evolved. And uh, I still think part of that will tighten up a bit and teams will change the style of play. I, I think we play a little bit too wide open at times, but that's that's the nature of today's game, and I'm okay with that. And But I'm seeing it on a nightly basis in every game I watch. Uh, there's no more safe leads. <laughs> you know, it used to be in the past, if you had a one-goal lead going into the third, you may as well go, you know, turn the TV off and go have a nap because it, it wasn't going to change. Not today. I mean, look how many times we've come back. Look how many times teams have come back on us. So I'm starting to lighten up on that and not be so critical on that because that's just the game nowadays. But You're absolutely correct. Yeah. You're absolutely, like the game has changed the last couple of years to, to a level that is, you know, it, it's, you look at it and you go, okay, that's a absolute bonehead play. And you have to catch yourself sometimes to sit back and go, okay, wait a minute. You know, it's also it's also a byproduct of what the other team's doing uh, against you too. And the game is wide open. Well, I know, and then, and t- teams are smart. They pre-scout. They watch film. And you know how hard we are on line A because he just pukes up the puck along the board so often. But teams have got a book on him now. They go pressure him, pressure him. And uh, th- and I respect that in a lot of ways because that's one thing I don't think we do enough, whether it's on the PK or just normal. A lot of times we peel back and we kind of uh, let them sit up. And I like certain guys. There's like certain guys are smooth and you know they're going to make plays, so you let them make their plays. You don't you don't pressure them. But there's some guys that handle the puck like a brick. I say get on those guys. And we don't do a good enough job of recognizing who we can pressure and who we can't. And that's about my only criticism of this team right now. Well, hey, listen, you know, you bring up a point here that that you know, and as I'm looking at the stats and, you know, just purely from a goal differential perspective, there's only, you know, out of 31 teams, 15 are on the plus side, right? So call it half the, you know, which if you said half the teams will have a positive and the other half would have a negative, you would say, yep, that makes sense. But here's here's the thing. Only eight are in double digit on the plus side. Yeah. So cut that in half again. And then you cut that in half a second time to get to, you know, anybody over 20, and then there's the anomaly, which Tampa Bay is, uh, and Toronto as well. It really, they're, you know, at plus 36 and 48. You know, so the goal differential side of things is, it, it is showing some parity here. And, 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 and to your point is, um, you know, it's, it is wide. It's a far more wide open game. You're going to, you know, you need to be prepared to win one goal games in this league now. You know, and I'm not talking a 2-1 game i'm talking potentially a 5-4 game right so (laughs) there's a difference and i think that's where the game is at now well here we are now we're 36 games in uh the jets have a record of 24 10 and 2 and speaking to the goal differential like you were speaking we're a plus 27 which is tops in the western conference so that goes to just that just goes to show you how uh the difference in the two conferences and i still think there's a lot more bottom feeders in the east so a lot of these top teams can really pump, you know, pump their stats against the weaker teams. But um, I don't know <laughs> if you would have told me the Jets would be 14 games over 500 uh, at Christmas time. I'd be a pretty happy camper. 
Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, certainly the, uh, the team downplayed, uh, you know, uh, their expectations at the beginning of the year because there was plenty of them. Um, you know, they had some younger players coming to the lineup, uh, you know, some departures and guys like Armia, um, you know, who, uh, ironically, Appleton looks a lot like in terms of some of the things he does. But, you know, what I'll digress. What do you consider? But he, <laughs> but he can skate better, and he's, yeah. I think you know he'll show to be a better finisher. I think yeah. overall, um, the, but you know if you would have looked at, uh, at you know looked at this team at the beginning of the year and said, well, they're going to be on pace for another 114 point season, you would have said, well, I'm not so sure. Well, yeah. here we are, 36 games in, we're at 114 points. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, projected points. So, you know, we're coming right back with what. Um, you know what uh, you know we did last year and and I I'm not sure I'm not sure us jet fans uh, would have we would have hoped for that but you know there's this sort of cautious optimism this uh, sort of underlying underlining uh, uh, piece of it that says I don't know you know so well, good uh, on him it's funny um <laughs> Paul Friesen from the Winnipeg Sun took a little bit of flack for pointing out that uh, the Jets' uh, first half schedule wasn't exactly, uh, you know, uh, terrifically hard. Now, you know, my my, I say to that that uh, any any game you play on the road is hard, and I don't care what team you play. The teams just play better at home. Um, we beat who we were supposed to beat, so you can't you know piss in our cornflakes on that because uh, it would have been. Uh, the pissing and moaning would have been brutal if we would have been losing those games. So we took care of business. We beat the teams we were supposed to beat. Uh, maybe the record uh, or the schedule wasn't as uh, as tough as others, but we had we have beaten a lot of good teams, and we've we've taken care of business for the most part. And I'm going to point this out: is we're still experimenting with some line combinations on the back end. Uh, we've had a few injuries on on defense, and to be honest, uh, Heavy's been okay this uh, first half. But he hasn't been the he hasn't been the the heavy of last year. He had a little bit of a stretch there a couple of weeks or so ago where he was going pretty good. But he hasn't been great. Brossard's been a, a, a nice uh, a nice pickup. So you know overall they always say your record is what it is. So while well, we're twenty four ten and two, so yeah, I'm going to take it. Well, absolutely. But let's not let's be mindful of twelve and twenty two days. Yeah. Um, Yep. Right, and they were ten and two during that time, and 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 yes, the the opponents uh, may not have been, and you know, the number of games go, going into January, February, March, uh, games per days is spread out far differently. The competition is going to be tougher on on average, uh, but a tight schedule like they've played you know, is a bit of an equalizer in terms of the competition, whether, you know, you're coming in, whether it's on a back-to-back or, you know, three and four days, uh, four and six days, however, you know, it all shakes out. You know, fatigue does play a role, and and we have, the Jets have traveled across uh, over the last three weeks, uh, across uh, two or three time zones, and, you know, everybody does it, I know, but as a Western Conference team, it's a bigger issue. Um, than the Eastern Conference teams, and so uh, it it does equalize things out a little bit. And uh, so even though it's a weaker schedule, perhaps uh, I, uh, 
you know, you have to be mindful of of the the number of days in which they've had to play those games, and I think I think that's an important piece for sure. Yeah, for sure. You know what? I I think for the first, I didn't really notice it uh, in the San Jose game, but I noticed it the Canuck game. But uh, they had they got really good goaltending, and yeah, you know, Vancouver did have a lot of shots, but they didn't have. It wasn't like they're peppering us. You know, they they had some good chances, but uh, you know, Brossois was pretty good. He 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 held us in there. And of course, we got the. Uh, you know the the timely goal with a minute and a half left, but uh, yeah, it was pretty good. I, I I want to bring something up. You know, we talk about analytics occasionally here. We're not uh, we're not big on them as we, we don't pump them out there like uh, like a lot of other uh, sites do and and you know things like that. Uh, we we take them for what they are and we believe in them to a point. And uh, that's like where I wanted to kind of get at is uh, you know the Shifley line. Uh, their possession numbers sometimes don't show up so great and <laughs> I was kind of laughing when I was watching the San Jose game like Evander Kane played pretty well for the uh, for the Sharks but he's one of those guys Rick he probably had 13 shots in that game and about two or three of them were you know like good scoring chances like he shoots from anywhere he gets those plus Corsi numbers to pad those stats whereas the Shifley line you know whether it's with Connor there or Eaters on the left side Wheeler and Shifley, they skate, they possess the puck, they cycle. They don't throw a lot of shots on goal. They don't, they don't try to get those greasy goals. They're always looking for that. They remind me back of the old Soviets back in the 70s. Like they, a, lot of, uh, a lot of passing in possession, and they don't shoot till they see the whites of your eyes, and they put a lot of pucks in the back of the net. So, uh, well, they're playing for a high-quality chance. There's they, no two ways that's about right. that. There's, so I just kind of thought that was kind of funny, like... Uh, like how do the analytics guy quantify uh, their not so good possession numbers, but yet their goal output is good? They're they're super dynamic. Like you don't need to give. I mean, a great passer followed by a centerman who finds holes has a great. You know, let's be let's be honest. He has a great shot. Yep. You know, it may not be a Patrick Laine shot, but at the same time. It's a phenomenal shot. And then you have another player on the wing with uh, Nikolai Ehlers, or if it's Connor, but in particular with Nikolai Ehlers, who brings speed and, and a dynamic component to it as well. Like, that line can score at will, and they have. You know, they have done that. Uh, they, you know, they, Shifley did it throughout the playoffs last year, coming down the stretch, and, and of course this year as well. You know, Shifley's at 22 goals. Um Here's a guy who could be, I mean, is it safe to say he's going to be a 40-40 guy? You know, could he be a 45-50 guy? You know, like, he could be a 50-50 guy, you know, in terms of points and our goals and assists. Like, I still think we haven't seen the absolute best of Mark Shifley. And he's a tough player to play against because he, he finds the spots and Wheeler finds him the puck. And, in fact... I almost think that those two look for each other too much, you know, to yeah. a degree, yeah. uh, where they could actually make that line more dynamic by leveraging ears into the mix sometimes, whether it's a uh, dump a puck into uh, into a soft spot where Ehlers is going to and they choose not to do that. So, you know, at some point they're going to have to, you know, change your game up a little bit to to integrate that a little bit more, or be less predictable as to what they're going to do. But 
it goes back to my point earlier. This team, this line, uh, this team just finds a way. And they're dynamic. You give them an inch, they'll take a foot, and the puck will be in the net. Yeah. Well, we... And, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. And and how do you how do you quantify like how do you quantify that piece? Now I suppose you could say the puck luck is super. You know the PDO is probably quite high, if if the numbers, uh, you know, if I looked at those numbers and, but at some point, you have to say well that is the standard in which that player plays at. So if he's a eighteen percent shooting uh, has an eighteen percent shooting uh, percentage, well that's that makes him a dynamic offensive player. Yep. So I guess that's it's time to just call it what it is. And he's he is a dynamic player. Yep. The only complaint, and we've talked about this, is that we've uh, noticed with this line is sometimes they get a little bit too cute, and we got to watch those turnovers Absolutely. just at the blue line and things like that on the offensive blue line. Um, mm-hmm. And for Shafe, like he's he's a budding superstar. I'm not going to call him a franchise player yet, but he's a superstar. And he's one step away from being a mega superstar. If he ever becomes half decent in the faceoff circle, he's going to be like he's already a stud. He just goes into another level of studliness. But uh, you know, you mentioned uh, like his shot and that. You know, really, like, him and him and uh, Patrick Liney are on pace for probably you know fifty plus. And you know, Connor and Ehlers uh, probably are on pace for thirty. So you know, that's 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 pretty nice. <laughs> that's a pretty good. Uh, Pretty good. Uh, I wouldn't call it a problem. Perhaps a pretty good luxury to have. But yeah, I don't envy uh, visiting teams uh, trying to uh, put their game plan together just to, you know to stop those guys. It's it's tough. Um, I wanted to ask you. Um, you know, well, we're thirty six games in, and I did. You know, usually we save this kind of like for like a, kind of like a, a midterm type of thing, but we're close enough, I think. And we've got a breaker, so something to talk about. But uh, like for you, is there any major surprises on this team right now for you? Up to this point, um, I would have to say Mason, Mason Appleton has been a nice, uh, nice addition to to the fourth line that gives us some depth or some uh, some offensive punch at the. And I know he's only got the one goal, so don't give me you know. Offense isn't just necessarily about scoring goals, although that is the the end of the day. The final you know in in the final analysis is what matters, but. Um, his ability to uh, drive another level with that fourth line has been incredibly noticeable. Um, you know, uh, so that would be one surprise. Uh, the second surprise um, might be Roslovic to a degree. So ironically, on the same line, and and I thought he would take a bigger step this year, and he hasn't quite got there yet. Um, and that's not to say he's played poorly, but yeah, I, I was kind of hoping. I was hoping he would he would take, take another step and yeah. and and force himself to to play more minutes and and that that hasn't happened. And so, ironically, it's all it's all related to the fourth line. And hopefully, um, you know, Mason Appleton and um, and Rosalvik, Patan, Lemieux, those four guys. And there's going to be some interesting, you know, the roster decisions coming forward for, for the game against Calgary, it looks like. So, you know, there may be some, you know, uh, sad faces, uh, you know, in Jetsland uh, as a result. But, um, you know, and those are the kind of guys that I was, you know, in one respect was is a surprise in the end. And, and in another respect, kind of a bad surprise in that I thought he would... 
make a bigger move. Yeah, I, it's funny you mentioned Appleton because, to be honest, uh, I like I've liked what I've seen from him, and I didn't have him on my radar until next year at the earliest. And something that really spoke volumes to me was uh, the other night, with uh, well, of course, with Adam Lowry being out and not being on the PK that with so few games at the NHL level, that Paul Maurice already has enough trust in him that he had him on the penalty kill. And I thought that spoke very high. That, that, that's, a, that's a big compliment. Yeah, yeah, Maurice is, he's, you know, his book is fairly wide open. You've got to show him what you can do and what you're good at. And, and you find a way, you know, you've got to find a way, give me a reason to play you. And Mason Appleton is showing another level of uh, his game, you know, in terms of the depth and breadth of his game. And he didn't look out of place when he was uh, killing those penalties. And, you know, with the new guys, with the new guys, with Lowry and Cop coming back in the lineup here fairly soon, you know, unfortunately, he's not going to see that PK uh, time. But if he finds a way to stay in the lineup, Maybe it, it makes uh, Shifley and Wheeler a little fresher by them not being on the PK as much. Um, but uh, having said that, uh, you know, chalk that up for future reference, right? Yep. Um, I'll do my surprises and disappointments right now. Um, I don't really have any disappointments, to be honest with you. I mean, it's hard to be disappointed in a team that's 24-10-2. I'm not going to nitpick some of the little things and you know, some of the some of the low hanging fruit that's that's been out there. It's easy to pick on Myers and Kulikov and these guys. Although I think they've both played much better, and I think Kulikov's been pretty darn good since he's come back from his injury. Those guys catch a lot of flack because they're third pairing defensemen and they make a lot of money for third pairing defensemen. So I'm not going to pick on that. But um, for me, one of my big surprises has been Laurent Brossois. I think he's I mean, what is it like eight and one or something, nine thirty five save percentage. What a mm-hmm. nice pickup! What a nice pickup that was. So I'm big surprise there. And for me, the other guy that's a surprise, and I'm going to say it's a surprise, but it's not a surprise because I've always thought he's this good. Was uh, Josh Morrissey's offensive game is starting to morph like it did when he was back in junior? And if you caught After Dark last night uh, on CBC, they talked a little bit about that. It was just basically him talking to Paul Maurice and saying, you know, he'd like to expand his repertoire and start playing a little more offensive. You know, they come into the league and the first thing they want to do, you want to be tidy in your own end because that, that gets you to play. That gets you ice time. And uh, now with his, he's and he's always had an offensive game right back from the time he was in Prince Albert. And then when he got traded to Kelowna and went on that Memorial Cup run, he had, uh, he was very, a very good offensive defenseman and, you know, and then the world junior, the whole schmear. So we knew that he had that in his pedigree, but it's starting to show at the pro level now. And, uh, you know, he looks like he could be a 50-point defenseman. Absolutely, you know, you know, he, he's been he's been excellent, and his stick work, his ability in terms of you know stick positioning, uh, is is top top shelf. And uh, I mean, he made a play last night uh, by you know with his stick again by just making sure it was in a good position, and you know uh, his body was uh, out of play and. It, it, he was just trying to defend against the shot and and kind of got a little bit out of position but that stick was in you know he he knows how to control that stick and that it, it's one of the key key parts of what he brings to the table and or or why he is as good as he is and i mean you know i i i look forward to seeing him in the second half take even a bigger role offensively i like I think uh, I think he's got the ability to be that uh, that kind of player for sure. Uh, you know, fifty points isn't uh, isn't crazy. No, it's not. 
Um, we've talked about this before, but I have to bring it up again because there was two incidents that caught my eye, and it just pissed me off. Uh, both times is like, uh, like is every hit in the NHL does it have to be reviewed and overanalyzed? Like, where where has this game and this world come to? As just as fans, are we that soft? And even the players too. Like, you know, Mark Shifley, chicken wing Besser, there little minor hit wasn't called the penalty. Besser wanted the penalty. Uh, it's con- and the guys on the panel are talking. You know, was it a headshot? Is it suspendable? Like, what the hell's going on, Daryl? Well, we're, we are certainly hypersensitive, and I think that's uh, you know that just goes to what the times, even outside of hockey, is that we are, you know, we have very thin skin, and uh, you know, and the NHL has to bear some uh, responsibility in this regard because of the inconsistency of some of their suspensions or the decisions around what is a pen, you know, what is a suspendable effect or a suspendable act and what is not. So, you know, the NHL has to take some some responsibility in that regard and, and I think players probably don't know what is a good you know, what is a good hit, what's not a good hit, et cetera, et cetera. So I think everybody has just become this super, super scaredy pants sort of Yeah. <laughs> so if you know, like they're just uh, they'd rather err on the side of, Whoa, that was a dirty hit versus going you know, listening to a guy like Brian Burke saying we need a little bit more of this uh, aggressiveness in the game and truculence, you know, a little more truculence in the game, and 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 certainly, I like to see good, solid hits that are you know legal hits. I don't want to see headshots. I don't want to see players uh, getting knocked out um, because of a of a headshot. But the game is fast, uh, and the game is uh, you know. It's easy for us to sit back and say, "Well, that's a you know that's uh, that's just a bad play." Well, you know, a momentary uh, you know, there's some that are easy to pick out. So let's let's get that out of the way, right? Yeah. The easy ones anyone can pick out, but some of these subtle ones, uh, I don't believe for a minute Shifley was looking to hit him in the head, and nor did he hit him in the head. So well, he even uh, said he let up. Right. So, you know. But at some point, Shifley would look at that situation and said, I let up, but there was no way I was getting out of the way, right? Because you ultimately, it's it's like cause injury or be injured in certain situations, right? Like if you don't follow through on the path you're on, you could ultimately cause injury to yourself. And I get that. I get, no, I'm not saying for a moment that that play specifically, um, but you know, players are mindful that, you know, this is fast. I can only do what I can do under, you know, certain circumstances. And if I don't have the time, I, what do you want me to do? And, and everybody, media in particular, you know, it's, it's a talking point at every turn because, well, frankly, they, people like controversy. They like controversy. It's all about drama. It's all about, you know, uh, clickbaiting. It's all about this, that, whatever in the media. And and so the media now has to take responsibility for, for you know, being overzealous in their critique of of the game. You know, it's it's ridiculous. I don't want. I want clean hits. I do not want to see where the game is going right now. And, the, and if it continues to go down this path, it's going to become a league in which hitting is not permitted. And guys like Dustin Bufflin or a guy like Nick, Nick Patan, 
either one of them don't deserve to be punished or receive special treatment. One, because a guy is big. He's allowed to play at six foot five and 260 pounds. The last time I heard, there's no weight or size restriction on who can play the game. Right. Okay? And and if you can play the game as a five foot nothing and a 145 pound player, all the power to you. But at the end of the day, the game can't change to allow the little guy to continue to play, you know, because he got hit. And by a guy like Buff- Bufflin, or a, a six-foot uh, forward got hit by Bufflin yep. and got put into the put into the cheap seats because Bufflin is that strong. I'm tired of seeing guys like Bufflin, and it's not just Dustin Bufflin, but yep. you see it around the league all the time. Yep. Guys getting penalized for being strong. Yeah, well, it's funny you mentioned the headshot, and uh, <laughs> Eric Carlson got a two-game suspension on a play that. I didn't even think it was a penalty, and no penalty was called in the game. And it was reviewed after the fact, and it was one of those bang-bang plays. Um, it's almost like if you have to slow it down and overanalyze it and break it down to find the headshot, it probably wasn't. Like, first of all, there was no, no intent for a headshot. And it seems like so many of these ones that they call headshots, the head snaps, but a lot of times it's shoulder to shoulder and... I just don't see how two guys the same size can be, unless, I mean, some of these ones, the guys duck into it or they're bent over. You can't blame, like, I, you can't blame the hitter for that. And I'm just, I'm, I'm so frustrated and tired of it because I don't want to be that guy that says uh, it's the victim's fault. But you know what, Daryl? Sometimes it is. These guys go whipping through the neutral zone with their heads down. They get clocked. Now, there's some guys, some hits are predatory and you can tell. And those are the ones you got to watch for. But you know what? Here's Gary Bettman and his bright ideas trying to mess with the game again. When they took out that center ice red line and allowed the two-line stretch pass and everything, they opened up a whole can of worms where guys cutting through the middle now at full speed are getting dinged because they have their heads down. They don't protect themselves. And that's what happens when you have a lot of young players coming out of, well, not so much junior because they play the same style. A lot of the college guys, a lot of the Europeans, they get clocked. And I don't want to blame them, but you know what, Daryl? I'm going to blame them a bit. Well, you have to because, hey, listen, the players have to take some responsibility. You look at guys that go into the corners, and you don't tell me that those players know if they turn at the last second and take a hit that there's a good chance there's going to be a penalty called. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you can see the guys... When, they, when they're going into the corners, they're watching the reflection in the glass to see when to turn. That's right. So who's to blame, right? Like, it's not, it is a victim's problem, right? Like, because you put, he put them, that player put himself in that position to uh, potentially have a serious injury. Yeah. So, so I, I, and I know why. They're trying to play the game. They're trying to protect the park. They're trying to create uh, an advantage for the team in terms of either a penalty call or or basically playing the corner and being strong on the puck and, and maintain possession and all that. Like, pick any, it's all of those issues, right? Like, it's all of those reasons why, you know? Yep. And it's, it's called part of the game. And so I don't want to see players get over-penalized because they, they hit a guy that, frankly, at, at the speed in which these players are playing at, they, nobody has a hope in hell of... Uh, of those bang bang plays of coming out there, you know, 
without one of them suffering some sort of, uh, uh, you know, reaction to the hit and 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 uh and clean hits then the next next thing you know there's a some guy willing to fight you know or get into some altercation because of a clean hit so like it is disgusting in a lot of ways it's disgusting that there's still some players out there that are still in the league that are notorious uh head hunters and you know are getting off uh, that are still playing frankly and you know i don't like those players but I also don't want to see the league become a no-hit league uh, because we are on the way there. And the Bleeding Hearts have to get out of the way on this issue. The game, people love the game because it's a combination of skill, which involves speed, um, puck puck skills, uh, shooting skills, and physical skills. It's all of those things, and that's what makes the game great. we got to keep it clean, but we can't take the, those aspects out of the game. Well, I hear you're, you're 100% correct. Um, you know, the players have to just be a little bit more mindful on both sides, the hitter and the hitty. They just, you just, you just got to be more aware and uh, whatever. And the league's got to be better at what they do in terms of evaluating some of these penalties. Yeah. Well, basically, we got to wrap her up here, Daryl. But uh, this, once again, it's, uh, it's that time of the season. It's kind of like my favorite time of the season because uh, uh, when you're retired and you're at home or you're on holidays for the rest of the people, it's, uh, you know, it's Spangler Cup time. You get to watch those hockey games on TV, on TSN in the morning. Those are awesome. World Juniors. And, of course, the World Juniors. And, you know, whether the Jets have a bunch of prospects in the World Juniors or not, I really, I always really enjoy it. It's a, it's, it's, it's a big deal. But I keep an eye on uh, Dylan Sandberg with Team USA. Uh, it's his second go-round. He had a good uh, he had a good tournament last year. I think he had a goal and four assists, five points. And uh, that's probably a <laughs> that's probably a better scoring pace than he actually does at, when he's in college. But, uh, yeah, he's a... Uh, you know, second round draft pick of the Winnipeg Jets projected to maybe uh, he's a left-handed D-man, I believe, and he'll be. You know, I think the Jets will be looking to see him in the lineup within a couple years. So, uh, you know, keep an eye on him. He's a big guy. He's pretty mobile, and uh, so for the listeners out there, uh, you can do your own uh, critiquing and scouting and let us know what you think. But uh, once again, Joe, it's time to uh, pack her up for the night. Uh, to our listeners, you know where to go get us: so WinnipegHockeyTalk.com. You know, iTunes. Uh, we're on Anchor FM, Stitcher, all those. Any, any place, like I say, any place you can find a podcast, you can probably find us. So uh, uh, any questions, you can always uh, hit hit up Daryl and I on Twitter. Send us an email, do whatever you want. Uh, um, on behalf of Daryl and I, would like to you know, wish uh, our listeners a Merry Christmas, uh, Happy Holidays to everybody. And uh, Daryl, thanks for taking time to... Uh, uh, thanks for taking time for the podcast. Uh, I hope you got your a new phone. <laughs> I do have my new phone. It took a while to get it, and um, it's staying in out of harm's way for the foreseeable future. No more ice fishing with the phone. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Daryl. Well, uh, happy holidays. Yeah, we'll be back. Uh, our listeners will we'll let the listeners know we'll be back again, uh, kind of regular on Mondays. We were out of out of whack this week because I was traveling, so we uh, got caught up here and. Uh, uh, we'll talk to you again next week, Take care.